1: Look at the ramifications of the greater mission of the body of Christ that far outweighs anything you can pursue on your own without the rest of us and without doing it for the rest of us.
2: Join us now for Grace to the Bay as we glorify the Lord Jesus Christ through sound expository teaching by our teacher, Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio outreach of Grace Church of the Bay Area located in San Mateo. If you are blessed by Dr. Chen's message and are looking for a church home, you're invited to come worship with them. Now, here is Dr. Chen.
1: This past week, my wife was driving one of our children somewhere, and out of the blue, my son asked an interesting question, as they tend to do at that age. He said, Mama, what superpower would you want to have? My wife explained that she would like to see everyone saved and then continue to explain that wouldn't be God's will, and so I would want to be able to fly. She said, what's your superpower? What superpower would you want to have? And he said, I'd want to be like a little Jesus. I'd want to heal people. Not like a full Jesus, like God, but just a little Jesus. Heal people so they don't hurt anymore. You're smiling. You think that's cute. You think that's precious. And it is. But why? Why do you think that way? And for those of you who have been around, it might make you feel even more to know that that particular son who said that wasn't one with a lot of health issues. If we weren't in a church setting, you'd probably awe oh, out loud. It's because you are moved by his compassion, his desire to help other people, his recognition of God's power, perhaps all of the above. Well, all of those is what we get to have when we use our spiritual gifts. They may not be comic book superpowers per se, and as we saw last week, the spiritual gifts such as healing and miracles no longer exist today. They have been done away with. But we still serve. We still can use our spiritual gifts for compassion. They fulfill a desire to help other people. They recognize and utilize God's power. We are not like Jesus, a full God, but a little Jesus. Isn't that just another word for Christian? Another way of saying being Christ-like, to be like Christ, to help people with our spiritual gifts. And you could argue that because, as we have seen in our study of spiritual gifts, that they are empowered by God. They are not something that is humanly possible on our own. They go beyond just talent or what we call natural giftedness. They're given by God. They're empowered by God. They do things that we could otherwise not do. So you could argue they are indeed a sort of superpower. That's what we've been talking about for the past few weeks. Spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Every Christian has one. We're all commanded to use it. They vary from person to person. And this week, as we continue looking at spiritual gifts, we see Paul continue his discussion on the variety, the diversity of spiritual gifts. But he hones in and explains to us why that diversity is necessary for the body to function in unity. Diversity is necessary for unity within the church. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. If you're new with us or joining us for the first time this morning, we are studying through the book of 1 Corinthians verse by verse. We find ourselves in a new study on spiritual gifts in chapters 12 through 14. This morning we are in verse 12. We start in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me read that for you. Paul writes, for even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. This morning I'd like to offer you four descriptions of unity through diversity. Four descriptions of unity through diversity with the understanding that we're in the context of spiritual gifts. And we will see very clearly that the the diversity he talks about is exactly that, the spiritual gifts. So let me jump right in and give you the first description of unity through diversity, the body illustration. The body illustration. In verse 12, he uses the illustration of the human body, which he will go into with much more analogy and description next week, in our passage next week, and continue on uh, in various parts throughout this series. But he begins in verse 12. I'll read it for you again. He says, for even as the body, speaking of the physical human body, is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body so also is Christ. It's a bit of a mouthful, but you get the point. It's very clear. You see, Paul begins by speaking of the human body and relates it to the church, the body of Christ. Paul's original audience, the ancient Corinthian church, would have understood this concept of the human body being made up of many members. It was something that they used often even in political rhetoric. But today, with our modern scientific understanding and dissection to the molecular level of the human body, we understand this even better. From the body's major systems and vital organs to the 100 trillion cells that is contained in each of us, we see how the intricate and interdependence of all the parts work together to form a whole. When speaking of an individual, when pointing out someone, you don't say, oh, the two hands, the two feet, the legs. You say, that's Bob. That's Fred. So it is with the body of Christ, which is referred to here as simply Christ. So when he says Christ at the end of the verse, he's talking about the body of Christ. What Paul is doing, as indicated by the word for in the beginning of this section, is further explaining what he has already stated in verses 4 through 11 regarding the variety, again, the diversity of spiritual gifts that God has given each and every member of the church. That is, each and every Christian. Not an official right-hand fellowship member of this church, but the capital C Church. All believers, every Christian has a spiritual gift And it may be very unlike anyone else, any other Christian around you. So this analogy is very simple. The human body is made up of many different parts or members, as he says here in the NAS. And each part is different. Even if you were to line up my two hands next to one another, upon detailed observation, you will see that they are quite different from one another. No doctor is going to say, well, you're having a problem with your left hand. I know you can't lift it. Let me just look at your right hand, and I'll be able to fix your left. No, it's different. Even the fingerprints are different. The creases are different. The size is different. They're all distinct. Each part is different. The same when looking at both of a man's eyes or both of a woman's ears. They are not Exactly the same. The pupils are different sizes. They're different colors. The veins are different when their eyes are bloodshot from lack of sleep. They are not mirror images. And yet, despite these differences, even in the body parts, which we have two of, they all make up one body, though they are many distinct parts. It is, in fact, the differences of each part of your body that makes your body complete. unity through diversity. And so it is with the body of Christ. So let me summarize this concept. The differences in the individual individu- individuals, rather, and their unique giftedness in the church, do not make them all separate from one another. Rather, it is that plethora, that uniqueness, that combine to make a single unit known as the universal church, and it also plays down in local bodies known as the local church. God is sovereign. He knows what he is doing. He has placed us all here for a reason. So to put it another way, opposite or negatively from what I have been saying, there is no unity without diversity. There is no unity without diversity. To fully understand Paul's point, we must remember that he is teaching about of course spiritual gifts. As wonderful and as thankful as I am that we have a ethnically diverse church, which is something we prayed for fervently in the early years of our church as I'll probably explain in a couple weeks at our ten year anniversary. This is not what he's talking about. He's not talking about racial diversity. He's not even talking about social diversity as wonderful as that is as well. They're upper class, they're middle class, they're lower class, they're poor, they're rich, they're homeless, they are wealthy, there are CEOs, there are janitors. That makes up the church. It is wonderful. That's not what he's talking about in this context, because that is not enough. It's talking about the diversity of spiritual gifts that are to be used for the good of the whole. And as we'll see in a moment, it really doesn't matter what race you are when it comes to service. It doesn't matter how old you are, how wealthy you are, how poor you are, how able-bodied you are. Just like it's not enough to know that each member of your physical body is different if they don't actually perform their functions. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they don't work. We have diversity. We must use it for God's glory. And so when we're talking about different people having different spiritual gifts, different abilities, different places to serve, different opportunities to serve, well, it doesn't really matter if the body part isn't doing its part. We just finished the Olympics. You wouldn't praise the speed of an Allison Felix, for example. If she said, I'm trying something new, something different, I'm going to see if I can win this race, it's it's fine, it's working, but I'm going to try hopping on one foot. I'm not going to use my left leg. She wouldn't be one of the most decorated Olympians, solid Christian, by the way. Father was a professor at the Master Seminary. She wouldn't win the golds. She wouldn't be the darling of the United States when it comes to the Olympics. In fact, she would be criticized. you say, what in the world are you doing? This isn't a mental health issue. This isn't a choosing because whatever. This is, you chose not to do this. And you would say, you handicapped yourself. Why would you do that? It's the same thing in the body of Christ. We're all different, but we need to be used in our differences for the unity and the thriving of our church. It is, in fact, that the concepts of diversity and unity taken individually seem to contradict one another, that we see the wisdom and beauty of this body illustration in God's perfect plan. Those two terms seem to contradict each other. More during certain political movements, less when those die down. But they're contradictory issues in many situations. But it is in that that the beauty of the human body and the church is found. And so we can understand that the the diversity is not like the Corinthians were doing to be a source of pride, a source of belittling others, a, a source of thinking that you are less than someone else in the church. You play a part. And so whenever you are in doubt of the importance of your role in our church, focus on each part of your bodies as you sit there this morning. To think about your lungs that are keeping you alive, your heart, the blood cells that are moving, your eyes that are looking at me, looking at your Bibles, your fingers that are flipping pages or clicking to the right passage. The little extra flab we have. That is making sure that you are not in pain as you sit on your rear end right now. Every part plays a function, and though you're just sitting there, the reality is your whole body is working together. Whenever you question the significance of diversity in the church, look in the mirror and take time to appreciate every body part that God ingeniously created and understand he did that for the church as well then look to the church. Look at the ramifications of the greater mission of the body of Christ that far outweighs anything you can pursue on your own without the rest of us and without doing it for the rest of us. This wonderful mission of being salt and light, of glorifying God on this earth that you get to be a part of. And if you question the significance of your participation Or doubt that God has given you a role to play, let's take it back to the very fundamentals of who you are as a Christian, the very basics of Christianity and salvation, which brings us to our second description of unity through diversity the body incorporation. The body incorporation. See, Paul doesn't just leave it at the place of post-salvation. This is where you are. This is your physical situation. This is your social situation. You happen to be at this church because you looked for it, or it's just the closest church, and you can walk to it, or whatever it is. It's not just the practical reality of how to live in terms of service. It goes all the way back to your salvation, the body incorporation. Look at the beginning of verse 13, for by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Why diversity through unity? Because ultimately we were all baptized by the Spirit into one body. This is not speaking of post conversion event of water and baptism, as important and necessary as that is, important and necessary due to its command and its implications. No, this is talking about the spiritual baptism which we reserve at the moment of salvation. When you are saved, you are baptized by the Spirit. This doesn't come later. Evidence by the speaking of tongues or something like that. That's not in the Scriptures. This is talking about justification by faith. It is invisible. It is performed by God and not by a human minister. There's no water involved. This is simply and powerfully the moment of conversion when we receive the Holy Spirit. He doesn't come later. He comes immediately. And this helps us explain why the body is one. Ultimately, it's not that we attend the same church or even that we all serve together. It's that we all have the Holy Spirit And we're brought into a single unified body by him. It is the truest sense of the word fellowship. We have that commonality of Jesus Christ. The scriptures are clear on what distinguishes a believer from an unbeliever. You know this. And one of those points of clarity is the baptism or reception of the very one who has given us our spiritual gifts and has manifested the great variety or diversity we have been talking about, the reception of the Holy Spirit. Turn back to chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. We'll look at verses 10 through 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. We saw this a few weeks ago. Paul says, for to us, God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may know the things freely given to us by God. This is common. This is all believers, and part of what we can know is Not just his word, but the intricacies of his word, which is the promise of that spiritual gift and how to use it. If you're a quick flipper, you can turn to Galatians chapter 3 or not, just listen. Galatians chapter 3, verses 2 through 3. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Remember, he's rebuking the Galatians. Paul says, "'Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith?' And what the Galatians would say, well, of course, it's by faith. We know this. Then he continues in verse 3. Are you so foolish then? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And so there in Galatians 3, 2 through 3, in verse 2, he, the Holy Spirit marks the beginning of the Christian life. In verse 3, he says it shows the continuing of that life, sanctification. You started and now you continue with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the reception, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, all the same thing. They are marks of all believers and why we are all the same. We are all one, one body. So that's what unifies us. Not the name of our church, not our doctrine per se, not our theology, not that we all live in the, the Bay Area. It is our faith as evidenced here By the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you another one, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Listen carefully, it's very clear. He says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Verse 16. Romans 8, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. The Holy Spirit is printed all over the scriptures as evidence of true salvation and a commonality that all believers have. Back in 1 Corinthians 12, The context is very clear. If that is true, we are then one unified body because of the Spirit. And from that foundation, you move on to what else the Holy Spirit has given us and called us to do. And for us today, it's using our spiritual gifts. The body of Christ has existed for a couple thousand years. And at the moment of salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you were incorporated into this 2,000-year-old body. And with that concept and understanding ingrained in our minds, we must connect it to the so what. And the so what is the reality of body life. God did not save you, give you the Holy Spirit, who gave you a spiritual gift, to be used uniquely by you according to his wise and sovereign plan, knowing your finances, knowing your physical capabilities, knowing where you live, knowing who you live with, knowing your relationships, knowing your family, knowing your background, knowing where you're going to live next year, and the year after that, and the year after that, until you see him face to face, we live out that reality in body life. And that is service through the use of spiritual gifts. And that leads us to our third description of unity through diversity, the body inclusivity. The body inclusivity. The second part of verse 13 says, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. You see, what God does in the body of Christ, what God does in the world in saving people, is independent of race or social status. In Paul's day, these two basic distinctions that we see in verse 13, race and social status, were the fundamental ways that his culture were delineated by the people and by the politicians. This was common terminology back then, not so much today. We have statistics about that. We don't talk about it because that's not PC. But that's how it was divided back then. He's not saying that only Jews and Greeks or only slaves and free are chosen to be part of the church. Again, he's using terminology that the Corinthians would understand. They understand these terms to include every living being. And in Christ, these racial and social distinctions are gone. To be sure, the Jew is still a Jew, and the Greek is still a Greek, and the Albanian is still an Albanian, and the African-American is still an African-American, and the Taiwanese is still a Taiwanese. He knows that. But nothing about that is dependent on your salvation or vice versa. The same goes for the slave and the free, although in that culture, that particular marker may change, of course. a Slave could be freed, a free man could become a slave. The point is that in Christ those distinctions no longer have any significance. In the Holy Spirit, they, we, are all one body.
2: This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. For the next part in this series, join us next week at this same time. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You are invited to join them for worship services in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit gracebayarea.org for service times, directions, live streamed services, listen to archived sermons, or to make a tax-deductible donation to help keep Grace to the Bay on the air so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you
1: each week. Again, that's gracebayarea.org.